Hey everyone, Jason here, host of B2B Better. Wanted to try something a bit different this week and just share some knee-jerk reaction thoughts on a piece of news that's just broken. Uh, didn't want to do too much editing on this episode, so you won't hear the usual intro or outro, um, but you will hear more ums and ahs and me tripping over my words. Think of it as like a kind of like live studio recording edition of B2B Better, which is what I'm doing, and I think it sounds pretty cool. So what's the news? Well, the news is that ProfitWell, the leading provider of subscription metrics and retention automation software, just announced that it's been acquired by Panel for $200 million, which is incredible. It's incredible when you look at it in isolation. It's It's even more incredible when you consider the fact that the company is entirely bootstrapped. So amazing day for the team over at ProfitWell, amazing day for the CEO, Patrick Campbell. What I wanted to cover specifically on this episode is the marketing strategy that Patrick and the team decided to adopt a few years ago and my thoughts on how it contributed to this amazing acquisition and also why it worked. Um, ProfitWell have made no secret of the fact that uh, a number of years ago, they decided to de-emphasize the more traditional inbound marketing strategy in favor for building out a media engine. And they've done that through a entity within their organization called Recur. So what is Recur? Well, according to the ProfitWell website, Recur is the only media network dedicated to breaking down trends in the subscription world with insider expertise, data analysis that you won't find anywhere else. What that means in practice is a focus on creating some amazing marketing collateral in the form of shows, in the form of drops, in the form of podcasts, all with the end game of building an audience rather than chasing the lead. Patrick wrote an amazing article a few years ago on the reasoning of why they decided to adopt this strategy and also how they were going to go about executing it. I will drop the link to that article. I also think it was made into a podcast. I'll drop the link to that too in the description of this episode. But I don't want to spend too much time, you know, regurgitating what Patrick's already said about the strategy, but instead share a couple of my thoughts on why I think it worked. And the first reason for that is because inbound marketing as a strategy increasingly is working less and less effectively. You know, if you rewind a few years to when HubSpot first coined the term, the idea of creating a lead magnet, throwing it behind a registration wall and driving traffic to that wall to collect email addresses that you could put into a funnel and get your sales team on top of, you know, that was a pretty novel idea. But now in 2022, Uh, every B2B company and their dog are out there doing that. It is incredibly easy to create content. There is so much readily available talent, cost-effective talent uh, available to businesses to whip up a white paper or, you know, uh, write a blog post. And because everybody is doing it, really what you're competing on is, you know, how less boring can you make that asset compared to your competitors? This inbound marketing strategy is also based on the premise of capturing demand that is you know getting someone's email address at the point of them being in the market for your particular product or service and that's where this whole idea around you know lead generation being an ineffective strategy starts to break because the vast majority of email addresses that you collect are from people who are not in market at the moment for your particular product or service patrick and the team have flipped this whole thing on his head and instead of asking themselves you know, how can we get more leads through the door? They've been asking, how can we build a bigger and more engaged audience? How can we be memorable? How can we stay top of mind? How can we mix entertainment with education? 
And this has manifested itself through their shows like Protect the Hustle and Pricing Page Teardown, the drops of merchandise that they've been putting out there, giving away hot sauce, the churn 100,000 challenge that Patrick did a couple of years ago. All of this stuff is based on the idea of delivering free, consistent value over long periods of time. That value being either teaching someone something new or making them chuckle. And with the assumption that eventually, when that person goes from being an out-of-market customer to an in-market customer, you're the first brand that they think of. The second reason I think the strategy worked is that Patrick, the CEO, was 100% on board with this approach and went into it knowing that not everything was going to be a home run. Patrick wasn't just in agreement that this was the right plan. If He was an active contributor. You know, he was the host of a lot of these shows. Uh, he was the one who was drinking hot sauce uh, based on the number of shares that campaign got. Even though he hated spicy food, he was the one who said the word churn 100,000 times just to prove how much money uh, he could help his customers save in the amount of time it took him to do that. And there's a great quote that he gave when he was chatting with Jay Akunzo on Jay's podcast a few months ago uh, about how they approach this strategy, which is dare to fail gloriously. That is, push the limits, invest in the creative, follow the idea, know that there are going to be guidelines, but that guidelines are designed to be broken. It is incredibly difficult to run a marketing program, any kind of marketing program, if the CEO does not believe in it. If you are starting from a place where you have to justify every single pound or dollar spent against the bottom line and show that direct attributable revenue generation, you are never going to be able to push the limits of your brand's creativity because creativity inherently is rooted in risk. And understanding this at all levels of a business is critical if you're going to develop a marketing strategy that actually stands out from the crowd. And the third reason about why this strategy worked is that ProfitWell didn't start big, nor did they really end big. Uh, despite the fact that they were doing numerous drops, they were producing dozens of shows, super high production value, their marketing team was limited to low double digits, plus a few external freelancers and agencies. They were able to tread that line between investing in something truly different and compelling without breaking the budget and were able to kind of test and iterate and grow as they went on. At the time that Patrick wrote the article about the strategy, an entire season of one of their shows cost around $10,000, which is not a huge amount of money. For some businesses, it's a lot of money, but for, for a lot of companies out there, it is not a huge amount of money. It's enough to take a punt and you know feel comfortable with the fact that if the bet doesn't pay off, it's a good hedge because at the end of it, you're going to have 13 high-quality pieces of content that can be reused and repurposed across different channels. I think anyone who's heard the phrase, you know, every company is a media company and is thinking about how they can start making a play with that kind of mindset needs to be considered of the fact that, you know, no one becomes Netflix overnight. And in fact, it can be an incredibly dangerous uh, effort and endeavor to try and emulate Netflix-level success uh, on a very restricted budget or without validating a particular idea. Pick one concept, pick one channel, test it, see what the audience reaction is going to be and grow from there. So let's finish up by just trying to answer the question, you know, did this media strategy influence or contribute to helping ProfitWell exit at such an amazing price? Like all marketing, it is difficult to attribute it directly, 
But what I can say with a high degree of confidence is that in what would otherwise be considered a very boring industry, ProfitWell did something that captured the hearts and minds of their customers, 30,000 of them to be specific. And if that didn't contribute to such an amazing valuation of the business, then I don't know what would. So that's where I'm going to end this episode. I appreciate it if you have listened this far. Please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast on your platform of choice. Leave a review uh, or follow me on Twitter at Jason R. Bradwell. It would be super appreciated and have a great weekend. Catch you next time.